This is the 81st episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze. This past week, it was 18 hours of Fox News, and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Let's get into it. The impeachment inquiry. Even Fox News hosts were not impressed. But first, I'm going to play for you one of the strangest reactions to the 9-11 attack I've ever heard in my life. And I've heard a lot because I'm old and I've lived in New York for 22 years. And this issue tends to get me very worked up because I was here when it happened. But Greg Gutfeld took this to places that made absolutely no sense. I blame, I guess, our government, our education, our media for erasing our unified love for those who gave their lives saving others. Unity since then has been replaced by division. Remember Shanksville? It's no George Floyd. But we will never know, we will never know how many black, white, Asian, or brown lives they saved. They gave their lives so others would live. We should be teaching that in class instead of gender dysphoria, but it's not as edgy or as cool. Why bring up George Floyd on 9-11? I'll make it simple, we've changed. The circumstances of Floyd's death was used to vilify every law enforcement officer in America. It's as if a total of 72 law enforcement officers didn't die on that day on 9-11, right? Or any other day, how many died? That just was erased. And it's funny, when you remember that ISIS was an idea, they were the JV, even though they were beheading Americans and slaughtered thousands, and then Trump came along and he beheads the beheaders, and now we're going to jail him. We've replaced ISIS with Trump. An unruly protest at the Capitol is now viewed by people in the media as worse than 9-11. Here at Fox, today is 9-11. On CNN and MSNBC, it's Monday, because it's not January 6th. So we have Trump and the military to thank for not having to think about ISIS anymore, which then allows us the freedom to think about jailing Trump and turning the military into an equity cult. Success brings the downfall of this country. Uh, what's crazy about that monologue is that Greg Gutfeld wrote that down and read it like a prepared speech. He was proud of that. He was proud of that mess. Now, call me nuts, but I would say that you're, you're basically taking the death of Americans who died during peacetime going to work and exploiting that for all of these other things that you brought up, which is, you know, trans people... George Floyd, ISIS, January 6th, you criticized other media companies, equity in the U.S. military. I think I got it all. I think I, there might be a couple of Trump, I guess. We'll just throw Trump in there. But starting with Shanksville, you say we'll never know how many black, brown, Asian people they might have saved. Actually, we know everything about every human being that was on that plane. Films have been made about it. Documentaries have been made about it. Books have been written about it. We know a lot about those people and we honor them. Number one. Number two, you move on to George Floyd. Well, I can think of another high-profile police brutality incident that involved a black man. That would be Rodney King, and that would, that would have been 1991. Michael Brown followed that, but there have been plenty of others. I'm just thinking of, again, Ferguson was kind of a defining moment. It's from my part of the country, where I'm originally from. So trust me, Ferguson was national news, huge, big deal. Protests followed. Black Lives Matter, in many ways, uh, was born out of that. I think it was earlier, but that best def definitely made Black Lives Matter a much uh, more high-profile movement. So there you go. So I don't know why you're bringing up George Floyd. ISIS, you're speaking of in past tense. It's very much still a thing in the Middle East. It was not, no one was beheaded by Trump. That's nice fiction you got there. January 6th is a separate incident and is still considered horrific, but I don't think we have memorials for it. I don't think there's moments of silence and all of that. Like, I think 9-11 Jan uh, is still treated much... Where's the museum for January 6th? I'd love to see that. Where's the museum? Because we have a museum for 9-11, and, I mean, stop insulting 9-11, Mr. Gutfeld. Uh, other networks, you claim, aren't covering 9-11. Are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? Every single network has the memorial on in the United States, shows reverence to it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Military equity... I don't know why they dig at the military for no reason, but okay. And then finally, success is our downfall. So what are you saying? We should be unsuccessful and then we'll be more 
You want another terrorist attack? I'm not sure what you mean by that. Doesn't make a ton of sense. But Greg Gutfeld, you win the prize for massive political exploitation of a national tragedy. Uh, way to go there. Unbelievable. But that's how the week started. I'm laughing to keep from crying, folks. I'm laughing to keep from crying. Next up, on the very next day, on uh, January, uh, September 12th, we have the announcement that Speaker McCarthy is finally going to do this, you know, long-awaited impeachment inquiry. And let me hit that last word, inquiry, which means it's not much of anything. It's an investigation to see if they want to impeach, which he doesn't have the votes for, but okay. So I thought, this is a big day. Let me capture all of primetime and see what they give me. The White House says there's no evidence of wrongdoing by President Biden. Democrats believe impeachment could backfire on the GOP. But it is worth noting that Kevin McCarthy right now probably doesn't have the votes in the House to pass an impeachment inquiry opening if he put it to a test. He certainly doesn't have the support of Senate Republicans, who I think it would be fair to describe as lukewarm about this news today. And frankly, it's not clear yet that he has enough to really make a case to the public, which is ultimately what matters, that Joe Biden is worthy of an impeachment trial. I'll just go a step further and say Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes, because 12 days ago he said the House, the full House, should have to authorize this. And even some Republicans are wary about this, uh, feeling it could backfire on them. At the same time, it's a meaningless exercise. I'm not getting, without even getting into the evidence. And clearly, uh, Joe Biden was more involved in his son's business than he had initially let on because the Democratic Senate is never going to convict President Biden. Well, in some circles, this was really hyped up, this announcement. But could it be that Republicans are actually stepping into a trap here? So until there's an actual formal vote in the House authorizing impeachment hearings, I'm not sure how serious McCarthy actually is about this. They better thread the needle very carefully, have a very good team of investigators uh, putting together a very compelling, very narrow case that really shows Joe well, Biden's direct role involvement. That? Yeah, when have Republicans well, ever fear. done that? That's I mean, that's, they never have done that. I mean, Comer's done a good job, but on these big sweeping investigate Hillary, they really, they could never connect the dots. I don't think. I think it's always been difficult for the Republicans for whatever reason. Ben the impeachment inquiry stays an inquiry and drags out, making the Republicans look weak and foolish. Well, uh, Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman had a pretty bizarre response where he was kind of laughing about it. <laughs> don't do it. Please don't do it. So I didn't want to interrupt that run, basically, and it's kind of shocking that that was all from Fox News and that was all from the night, the very night that they announced this. So not a week later, not two weeks later, but the night, you, you, you expect excitement, like, oh, we're going to get them. And instead, it's a lot of negativity. So those voices were Chad Pergam. He was on Special Report with Brett Baer. Then we move on to Susan da Davis from National Public Radio. She was a guest on Special Report. Howard Kurtz, also a guest on Special Report, although he is with Fox News. Ned Run, uh, the CEO of American Majority on the Ingram Angle. Then we have Laura Ingram herself, Jesse Waters, and finally Sean Hannity. So, um, and Jesse Waters, the context of his comment was he went through three scenarios, the first two being positive, and the third being, this is all going to be a joke, and we're going to look foolish. And then finally, Hannity was the only holdout who did not say anything negative about the impeachment inquiry. Also to review, because I didn't uh, include this earlier, the shows I watched last week were Fox and Friends, The Five, The Ingram Angle, and then on that Tuesday, I also picked up Special Report with Brett Baer, Jesse Waters Primetime, and Hannity. And our next example is a brand new category we've never done before. Um, it's We've sort of done this before. It's a variation of a regular category on Decoding Fox News, and that would be Brian Kilmeade goes rogue. So I guess when Steve Ducey, and he wasn't there last week, which broke my heart, actually, because Steve Ducey is one of my favorite things about Fox and Friends, because what the heck is he going to do? I don't know. Um, Brian Kilmeade sort of slid in some doubt, some contrarianism. Is that a word? I have no idea. I'm tired. I didn't sleep last night. We'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, it. Brian Kilmeade. <laughs> because there was no vote, the question is, what changes? How much more power do they have? Andy McCarthy says, without a vote, 
you're just renaming the Comer-Jordan investigation. That is something I expected to happen. I thought there would be a vote on the front. I don't think end. it would pass. All right, There's so too who's, many moderates to do Who's going to lead all of it? And of course, Brian Kilmeade is talking to Pete Hegseth there. I forgot he was part of that clip. He has a one line. But, and that was who was hosting Fox and Friends that morning. That was the night, the, the morning after they announced it. So that was the 13th. Um, I think it was very interesting to how that was presented. It's very subtle. It, it, I almost didn't catch it, but Kilmeade just sort of, he, he actually like leaned in and almost whispered that, which of course he has a mic on, so we're going to hear what you say, but it was interesting how it was just like, yeah, they don't have the votes. And what he means by that, because this is a little confusing how it's called, they keep calling it the impeachment inquiry, is they, this is a further investigation to see if they have enough evidence to then start an impeachment trial. So this is not the same as what happened to Trump twice and what happened to Bill Clinton once. This is not an impeachment. This is an impeachment inquiry. And what's so pathetic about this is that they don't have the votes. Um, and many people on the left and the right think that this is absolute folly <laughs> for the Republicans to even do this because most Americans do not care about this at all. This is something that happened years ago. They don't have evidence. They have like a piece of this and an email here and a WhatsApp message here and a part of a memo. And then, you know, oh, there's money that went into. It's not illegal to get paid uh, from a, a foreign company. That's not the same as working for a foreign government unregistered, which is what Manafort did. Um, it's part, he did many more things than that, but I, rabbit holes, rabbit holes, they're everywhere. If I start talking about this topic, we'll be here 45 minutes later and I'm still like, oh wait, next clip. And I don't want to do that to you. I'm delirious right now because I didn't sleep last night. We'll, again, talk about that later. But here we're moving on. Um, the next clip about the impeachment is our hero, Jessica Tarloff, who did disappear last week and people have theories on this. Uh, we're going to get to that clip later. It was a wild week. I knew this was going to be a fun one. When I was watching these clips, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good podcast. Some podcasts, I'm like, I don't, I'm going to have to make this work somehow. Um, last week was hard. Last week was hard. It was harder material. But this week, I'm like, we got some fun clips. Fun clips. And here we go. Jessica Tarloff doing her thing. She starts off by listing Republican congresspeople who think the impeachment inquiry is a bit silly. So much so that they're on record saying things like this. David Joyce, Congressman, I'm not seeing the facts or evidence. Dusty Johnson, there's a constitutional legal test that you have to meet with evidence, and I haven't seen it. Don Bacon, there should be a direct link to the president and some of the evidence. I think we need to have more concrete evidence to go down that path. And then Ken Buck, the time for impeachment is the time when there's evidence linking President Biden. And I don't think that evidence has been presented. Now, these are not people who are Democrats. They're not members of the lamestream media or whatever you want to call it. Those are Republican Congress people. Kevin McCarthy, I guess, has amnesia. He has short term and long term. Last Friday, he told Breitbart that there would be no impeachment inquiry without a vote. He also, in 2019, went after Nancy Pelosi, saying if she was going to have an impeachment inquiry without a vote, it would create a process completely devoid of any merit or legitimacy. Well, welcome to the circus, Kevin McCarthy. That's what you've done. Nancy Pelosi did have that vote on October 31st in 2019. McCarthy has made too many promises to too many lunatics. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I hear this, Politico's reporting this afternoon that Donald Trump was on the phone with Elise Stefanik, number three um, in the conference, the GOP conference chair, talking about impeachment. He continues to do Donald Trump's bidding. Now, I return to where I started. No one wants an impeachment inquiry. It's never fun. It's not going to help anything. But it is going to show that the GOP is a fiercely unserious party. They have to keep the government open. That should be the priority. You should, I don't know, have some plans to make life better for the American people. But no, you're going to spend the next several months, by the way, collecting evidence. You've been doing that for nine months already. You just haven't come up with anything. Where's the diamond? Because the diamond. Where's the diamond? I wish I, I had Let's get the judge in because the evidence. I purposely let a little bit of that chaos in the audio clip because I wanted to sort of show how almost every time Jessica Tarloff gets to a point or actually is successful at uh, getting her point of view out with data that backs it up, with evidence that backs it up, that is how her co-hosts react to her. They just start yelling over her, what about the diamond, is what they said. 
Ah, don't even get me started on this nonsense. The Hunter Biden stuff makes me itch. And I've been through all of it backward and forward. I could, you name something in the Hunter Biden thing and I could go, okay, I know where that's from. Here we go. This is where that's from. Uh, oh my God. And uh, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. But a lot of the Hunter Biden stuff, the reason why you cannot take most of it seriously is this was a man who was in the deep throes of a drug addiction and in the latter part of a lot of that correspondence, a divorce. So just imagine his frame of mind. So I think it's safe to say that he is an unreliable narrator is what you would call that sort of person. Now, before I move on to the next topic, because that's the arc of the impeachment inquiry, which was a whole lot of nothing. Um, we're going to move on to a word for my sponsor. <laughs> and that sponsor would be the listeners of this podcast and the readers of my newsletter. Um, that's right. I have no large donor. I have no grant. I have no advertisers. I keep this project going thanks to a few hundred people who have pledged to support Decoding Fox News at Substack for Decoding Fox News and at my Patreon for decoding Fox News. There's also people who spontaneously sometimes will just send a donation. There's a little dollar sign next to my name on Twitter. Another thing that you can do to help the project if you can't financially help the project is share this podcast, share the newsletter, give me a good review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. All of that helps. Um, and I am exhausted. I'll just take a quick break to explain I'm a woman of a certain age, and I won't get into my whole medical history, but insomnia is something that happens to uh, most women when we hit a certain age. Then basically, when it hit the time that was supposed to be my alarm to get up, I just said, let's go. Let's get back on the horse. Let's do this. Is that is that the right phrase, back on the horse? I don't know. I'm a little delirious. So I just said, get back into the podcast. Make it happen. We'll figure it out. Hopefully there's not too many typos and things that you're like, what? What is she saying in the newsletter? Oh, by the way, if you want to see the written version of this, that's called the newsletter. There's not a lot of hyperlinks this week. I didn't do a lot of research because I didn't need to because um, they weren't talking about anything I needed to do research for. It really varies very much by week to week. The worst week, people always say, what was the hardest podcast? Uh, the Durham Report. That was complete and utter hell. That was three days of reading about the Durham Report nonstop and the Mueller Report and going, why did I choose this job? I designed this job. I did this to myself. Okay. So transitioning into the next topic, and I put this together last night and I stuck it on Twitter and I thought, this is so nerdy. No one's going to watch it. It's not going to do well. It's performing really well, surprisingly well. Um, I noticed on Friday... Fox has a difficult time trying to thread the needle of we're populist, we're for the, you know, we're for the working class man. Oh, what? A union? <laughs> a strike? How do we handle this? Because it's tricky to be like, we're for the common man, we're blue collar, working class, rah, rah. And then be like, yeah, unions, who needs them? Go corporations. We love you. Big money. Big money. But that's kind of what they have to do when they can't do it. They're very bad at it. So in this clip, they had Charles Payne, who's from Fox Business, come on and try to talk about the uh, UAW strike. And my favorite Charles Payne clip of all time was Charles Payne once said directly into a camera with no sense of irony, no shame. He said that inflation was caused partly due to the checks that Biden was sending out for his student loan forgiveness program. Now, that no one was ever supposed to get a check. No checks were ever cut. That never happened. The entire program collapsed. But nope, that's what he said directly. I cannot make that up. I still have the clip. It's insane. So here he is trying to explain the UAW strike, and he kind of goes all over the place. Uh, right now, obviously, it's 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 it's, uh, it's a few hours old, and it's not a complete strike. It's not 150,000 people walking off the jobs, uh, but they are threatening that that's what it will become. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We just had a lot of inflation data out this week, including prices on cars. 
Uh, and, you know, it was crazy because at one point, uh, a 10-year-old minivan was the best investment you could have made <laughs> because the price was going up, right? Minivan or Apple stock, you know? And so, you know, we've just gone through a price shock. And only recently have some of these prices started to come down. Uh, we know that's gonna that could change dramatically uh, if there's a big hiccup at these uh, at these uh, automakers. But you know, I think there's some other issues going on here. This Biden agenda is, is really the problem. The electric car agenda. Right. The it's really a climate agenda, and the electric cars are just part of it. And it's a it's a crazy climate agenda. It's going nowhere. It makes no sense. It will do nothing for the climate. Uh, we're taking energy independence and throwing flushing it down the toilet. This is the most maddening, crazy thing. I watch Germany a lot because they're ahead of us in this madness, and they have destroyed one of the greatest industrial nations ever, ever. They're destroying it. It's it is economic suicide. We are going down the same exact path. Now, what on earth was Charles Payne even talking about? He went all over the place with that one. He's talking about minivans. He's talking about energy independence, which is, again, an incredibly misleading term. I've talked about that many, many times. It does not mean that we did not import oil. When we were, quote unquote, energy independent, we still imported millions of barrels of oil a day. Millions. And that's because the oil underneath our ground is not the oil that we use the most of. So we were exporting oil and importing oil. Boom. We just exported slightly more than imported. So that's all that means. It's useless. Then he starts talking about the green agenda, I guess. He's talking about electric cars, EV cars. Going on about that, starts talking about Germany. Germany is in a recession right now, which has to do with energy, but it has more to do with the war in Ukraine than anything else because Germany's never had energy. They had nuclear, but they don't have fossil fuels for the most part. They don't have large reserves of them. Okay. So that word salad craziness where he's rambling on and doesn't actually address the fact that, oh, you know, working class people are, might go on strike all over the country. Right now it's a very small kind of targeted strike. But here's the stark contrast with how the PBS NewsHour covered the exact same event. The union is asking for a 36% wage increase over four years and the restoration of some pay and benefits cuts made in the 2008 recession, including cost of living adjustments, an end to a tiered wage system, and changes to pension plans and retiree health care. They're also proposing a four-day work week. The union says companies raked in billions in profits and worker wages have not kept up. Between 2013 and 2022, combined profits for the big three, Ford, GM, and Stellantis, surged 92% to $250 billion total. President Biden today gave his support to striking workers and said he hoped for a fair agreement. So an amazingly comprehensive uh, segment there that gives you all the information you need to know why the union is striking and what they are hoping to achieve with this strike. 92% increase in profits is pretty dramatic. Um, the only thing I cut out of that uh, because it wasn't really useful was there's a brief short speech by the union leader um, who shows up at a picket line and says, you know, hey guys, we're in this, we're just ordinary working people. We, we don't want to be millionaires. We, won't, we don't want to be billionaires. We're just trying to get what we deserve. And that's it. Uh, it was my decision to compare Fox to PBS, and people often think it's strange or they ask me why I do that. And I think it just brings me an, an amazing perspective because it's a control. It's a base. It's a baseline. Rather than just constantly focusing on Fox, you're like, but what did Fox leave out? And what are they not telling their viewers? It's not just about what they're telling their viewers. It's about what they're not telling their viewers. And a PBS is a great way to show that because it's nonpartisan and it's high quality. So next off, we're going to move to a woman who personifies the example of the political horseshoe. And that means when you get to the extremes on both sides of that political horseshoe of the extreme left and the extreme right, they start sounding similar. And um, I would say that the extreme left is far smaller than the extreme right in this country and not nearly as well funded, but that's a whole other, whole other podcast. When I was researching extremism, uh, for example, I saw it with conspiracy theories um, often, even like Pizzagate, Seth Rich, all these kind of crazy, wacky theories. COVID-19, I saw uh, that was later, but I did see overlap there where you would see the exact same, almost sometimes the exact same memes would be used by both sides. 
and it's baffling. And this time, uh, in 2020, this person, who I'm going to introduce to you, she's not popular at all, uh, she used to have like a following and they used to come at me all the time because I've been critical of this person for uh, years. And in 2020, I said, she's going to flip. She's not a real Democrat. She's a phony. I can't stand her. She had really extreme, I thought absolutely disgusting um, opinions about Bashir al-Assad in Syria, just dangerous opinions about uninformed, completely wacky very just, you know, covering up for a, a murderous dictator, covering up for, for you know, mass murder, making excuses for him, saying things that were blatantly not true. That was Tulsi Gabbard, ladies and gentlemen. So she's now full-blown. I don't know. She identifies as an independent. They had her in the liberal chair on the five. It was driving me crazy. Okay, so she said a number of awful things. I had to break it down into two sections. This is a woman who used to consider herself, used to identify herself as a progressive, further left than a liberal, like all the way to the edge. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders loved this woman. I seriously doubt he, he does now. But this is, um, this is her on the border. Just listen to this language. How does she sound any different from the worst person that they have on Fox? So, and just to keep along so it doesn't turn into one long monologue, I'm going to break it up into the days in which she said this. So this starts with Wednesday. President Biden's open border policy is no different from his um, policies domestically to not prosecute criminals over and over. Basically, it's an undermining of the rule of law. This president doesn't care about the safety and security of the American people, is unwilling to enforce even the laws that actually exist to protect the American people, uh, and ultimately, therefore, is, is de facto taking the side of criminals, uh, human traffickers, uh, and, and the cartels. And mm -hmm. the American people, these communities, are the ones who suffer as a result. I just want to point out that she basically said, um, this is the line that made me go, what? I didn't catch it till the second time. President Biden's open border policy is no different from his policies domestically to not prosecute criminals. How is that the president's responsibility? That is not what the president does. That would be the attorney general. And really, that's really done on a state and local level more than it is a federal one. But okay, Tulsi, tell yourself that. Now, this next clip is from Thursday. Uh, our borders have been handed over to the cartels. Our cities have been handed over to the criminals. Parents' rights are being threatened uh, with regard to their child's education. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, it's not a hard argument to make to voters about why Joe Biden presidency or, frankly, any of the Democrats they could pick to replace him could end up pushing our country to a place that is uh, dangerously beyond repair. Just to translate very quickly, she basically read off all of the Fox News talking points, then basically said that Biden is terrible, but so are all the Democrats. Now we move on to Friday. We got to go back to the Trump policy of remain in Mexico. We got to go back to the policy of actually securing our borders, whether through physical or electronic means. And Congress and the administration have to work together to fix these broken asylum laws. Now, I saw in there, though, is he admitted this is politically driven. It's not driven out of a concern for the country or the people. They want to remake the country, do they not? Yeah. In part, they want yeah. cheap labor. They also want a kind of new electorate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's fairly yeah, obvious. Exactly. So that was Laura Ingram basically pushing the racist conspiracy theory, the Great Replacement. Uh, and Tulsi Gabbard had no pushback. She nodded along and said, yeah, yeah. You couldn't see the nod, but it was there. Now we move on to uh, one thing that every time I post anything about Tulsi Gabbard, I get at least, wow, uh, 10 to 5,000 comments <laughs> about this subject. I'll just let this play. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. Well, when we actually look at what he's gotten done, the reality is our country is worse off now than when Joe Biden took office. And there's a whole laundry list of things that we can get into. Uh, I've written, wrote down about 10 of them um, uh, without even scratching the surface. But, but most seriously, he's gotten us into a new Cold War and a hot proxy war with Russia that has increased the likelihood of nuclear catastrophe. We just saw how he has pushed Russia and North Korea directly into each other's arms, mm -hmm. increasing the threat coming from North Korea directly to the American people and our national security. <laughs> we, we're, we're seeing this rise in, in food and fuel costs that are really yeah. causing the American people to struggle. Nobody's pointing to the fact that this comes as a direct result of 
Biden's uh, war to punish Russia, trying to destroy their economy. Uh, Biden tells us this is a small price to pay to defend and spread democracy around the world. But number one, Biden and the elite are not paying the price. Number two, he is trying to undermine our democracy. And there she is basically saying that somehow Biden is, you know, has our democracy at threat, but she doesn't give any specifics. And then the, the term that really got me was punish Russia because they thought, yeah, yeah, let's let's look at that uh, footage from the beginning of this conflict when they 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 uh, missiles hit a maternity hospital. Can we want to roll that tape? When, oh, you want to look at all the uh, civilian targets that Russia's hit repeatedly uh, all over the country and, uh, you know, the children they've taken away and put into, like, camps where they're trying to, like, re-educate them and give them away to Russians to raise and all. I, 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 how many horrible things do you want me to go through? Because there's a lot. Punish Russia. Yeah, poor Russia. Okay, I can't even. I can't even. And I'll tell you, even with the Russia stuff, when I talk about that horseshoe again, that horseshoe, I think what happens is when people get very, very, very extreme in their views and they get that, Tulsi has it, that self-righteous, like, <laughs> all of you are so beneath me. My Tulsi Gabbard. I do, I've done a Tulsi Gabbard before. It's low. It's very serious. It's, I'm Tulsi Gabbard and I'm better than you. And you're a, an elitist and a warmonger. And I just have this... You know, I only really get upset about genocide if it's if it's politically advantageous for me. Otherwise, I don't care because you know, dictators have got to dictate and we just have to let them be. Let them be. If they want to believe them, no matter what, just no matter what. That's the scare. When people get very pure of thought and they can't ever see themselves as their ideas of being flawed and everything is black or white or good or bad, that's scary. When people get to that mindset, that's when they flip. It's so easy because it's the same crazy. It's just you know, that passionate, like, I'm 100% right, and if you don't agree with me, you're evil and you're bad and you're horrible, and I am righteous and you are not. That kind of mentality you see on both sides of the extremes, and that's why people can so easily flip. And I'll tell you, the right side, sadly, pays a lot better. And I think she may have figured that out. And you're more likely, and they love a former progressive they love a former liberal they'll embrace you and stick you on oh look 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 who we have look who we have oh there's so many of them i could go down the list i don't want to waste time on that though next one and this one was chef's kiss because i called it i called this one aoc who i think is a brilliant um a new rising star in the democratic party is she perfect no there's times she's done and said things that i just go aoc what were you thinking but I say that about every politician. I'm one of those. I'm one of those people. I don't love anybody. I like them. <laughs> I don't worship anybody. I'm always like, they, they do. I like, the, you know, overall pretty good. And then why did you say that? Why did you say, come on. There's times I've yelled at Chuck Schumer. I've thrown things at my computer at Chuck Schumer. And then there's times when I'm like, boy, Chuck Schumer. That I'm one of those people. I don't worship anybody. But I do think that AOC is a very talented young politician. And she has her moments where I'm like, yes, go, 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 AOC. And I'm going to play one for you. And then after this happened, I said, Fox is going to come up with a reason to come at her tomorrow. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm going to play you the clip. This is just a portion. I wish I could play the whole thing. We don't have time. And then I'm going to play the ridiculous segment that Fox News came up with as a way to come at, uh, at, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Finally, we are going to address the biggest scandal in American democracy that we are currently having right now, which is the extraordinary corruption and wholesale purchase of members of the Supreme Court. I also find it amusing that we just heard from the Republican side, Ugh, why do we want to talk about this? Because women have lost the right to choose because indigenous people have lost rights, because minorities have lost rights, because working people across the country have lost rights due to this level of corruption. According to ProPublica's reporting, Justice Alito was flown on a private jet on this luxury trip, and if he had chartered a similar jet, it would have cost more than $100,000 each way. 
See, now that was one of her shining moments. That's when you're just like, yes, come on, AOC. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're making it happen. And what she went on from there, it's a, too long of a clip to include, is she basically described the people giving Alito gifts also had cases in front of the court over a series of years and why that's a big problem. Now, this is how Fox News responded the next day. But AOC has her own ethics scandals she should be more worried about. The far-left lawmaker repeatedly listed her fiancé, Riley Roberts, as a spouse on disclosures filed with the House Ethics Committee after bringing him on overseas trips to left-wing countries. Except they aren't married. AOC's office saying in a statement, quote, they're not legally married. House ethics has commonly recognized the term spouse to extend to long-term partners. Mm. But lying on that form is a big deal. AOC could face a hefty fine, prison, or censure by the House. So this just makes me laugh, but when she does this, I kind of giggle every time. Judge Janine just did a very Judge Janine thing vocally there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to, to replicate it. She does this all the time. But lying on that form is a big deal. She goes down at the end of her line and then back up, and then she goes down again. And here's the thing, and I don't want to hear it. And today, I shouldn't be talking about today because that's next week's podcast. She was talking about lock them up. And what she meant by lock them up were children. Because you know what? They screw up when they're 14. I don't care. Put them in the federal penitentiary for life. They, you can't rehabilitate them. I was a judge. That should scare you. Anyway, shut up. I've got beautiful shoes on though, don't I? I do. They're amazing. She doesn't actually say that, but she does. Her shoes and her outfits are on point. They're they're completely over the top. And I'm always like, tip of the hat. Whew. But her views, her political views, not so great. Not really. Occasionally she'll stand up for women. And I go, way to go there, Judge Janine. But usually I'm like, oh my God, what did you just say? Okay. I also want to just quickly add the obvious here. Who in the right mind would get upset about somebody? She's been engaged to this man for a while. She's been dating him, living with him for years. They met an undergrad, and they're going to act like this is a big deal that she put him down as her spouse. Why on earth do people have to be legally married? Is that really, come on, are you serious? As a divorced person, as a person who never in a million years wants to do that again, I, and if you're married and you're happily married, that's awesome. It's amazing. Good for you. But not everybody ends up like that. And some of us are like, yeah, nope, not do, nope, nope, nope have zero interest in getting in a relationship I have to get a lawyer to get out of. So I'm just saying, just saying, cats are awesome. Anyway, um, oh my goodness. I was like, I was like, are you seriously trying to make this into a big deal? You really think she's going to go to prison for that? I don't think so. Even people don't like her would be like, yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. That's, a, that's, you've gone too far there. You crazy people. Anyway, okay. Next up, this one's just funny. This also involves Judge Janine. And then I've got a bonus one at the end. My new my new bonus one. This one speaks for itself. Jessica Tarloff, Judge Janine. Judge Janine does not actually react, so I'll describe what happens here. We obviously know a lot more now. I think it's really distressing, especially considering the fact that a majority of Gen Zs go to social media for their information. So if they're going, let's say, to see when they're eligible for the next vaccine or something that the government would want them to do or these social media companies would want them to do, they can't get that information. But they also do need to figure out a system to stop people from spreading rumors. Like when Bronnie James, for instance, collapsed while playing basketball for USC, immediately it was, he's got, it was because of the vaccine. It was not because of the vaccine, but that became the leading story. And the James family released a statement 48 hours later, but the damage had already been done from that. And you need to find some safe middle ground where people know that the vaccine is safe for you, but you don't. Oh, well, what do you mean? You look, you're fine. You're vaccinated. What do you? Oh, (laughs) it's your judge. Janine dramatically looked away and didn't say anything. But guess what? Tarleff is right. There was a vaccine mandate at Fox News, and it was December 2021, 
every single employee, if they wanted to enter the building, had to be had to show proof of vaccination for at least one shot. And they may have gone up beyond that. But that's what I found in The New York Times. It was well, it was other people reported on it. So, yes, you are vaccinated. Deal with it. Okay, just a dose of reality there. Now we move on to stories Fox News ignored every week. I compare the hours I watch on Fox News to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. And the following list are stories that Fox, that PBS reported on that Fox News did not. It's not too bad this week. There's a lot of overlap this week. Um, I do want to say very quickly, uh, I put these numbers in the newsletter. So there were a couple of natural disasters, a horrific flooding in Libya and a earthquake in Morocco. Now, on that one, Fox reported on it for a total of 0.25%. So that's a quarter of 1% of the coverage, and PBS was 9%. In contrast, there's another story about an escaped prisoner who happened to be an undocumented fugitive, actually. He was a fugitive from Brazil. Uh, Fox News dedicated 7% of their coverage to that story, whereas PBS dedicated half of a percentage point to that story. So very stark contrast with them. But Fox did mention the two natural disasters, which I was impressed because they normally ignore them, but they were absolutely catastrophic. So that kind of makes sense why they would mention it. So this next section is stories Fox News ignored. Every week I compare the hours I watch on Fox to five hours of the PBS NewsHour. And this list are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. If you don't hear one, it's because Fox covered it. So here we go. Developments in the war in Ukraine. Ukraine has reclaimed several gas and oil offshore drilling platforms in the Black Sea near Crimea. PBS produced a segment about the many challenges the Ukrainian counteroffensives has faced since it began. President Zelensky replaced his defense minister. It's his first major shakeup in his administration since Russia invaded. PBS produced a segment about new technology from the U.S. that uses AI and drones that could help clear landmines in Ukraine. And they showed them testing that in the fields in Ukraine. A Ukrainian attack in Russian-occupied Crimea damaged two warships and injured 24 people. Russian attacks across 10 cities and villages in the Donetsk region in Ukraine killed three people and injured three. Extreme weather events. Phoenix, Arizona finally got a brief break from excessive heat after 55 days of temperatures over 110 degrees. Tens of thousands of protesters in every continent took to the streets last Friday to call for an end to the burning of fossil fuels. Demonstrations continued into the weekend. So the next section are just general stories. Ian Wilmot, a British scientist, biologist, and geneticist who helped advance the science related to cloning, died at the age of 79. Over 20 years after the 9-11 attack, 30 men remain detained at a United States military facility at Guantanamo Bay. There is de also debate over potential plea deals for five of the suspects, including the alleged architect of the 9-11 attack, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. The Department of Justice antitrust case against Google began last week. The DOJ has argued that Google started illegally maintaining a monopoly in the search engine space as early as 2010. Russian President Vladimir Putin made a statement that the criminal charges against former President Donald J. Trump are a sign that American democracy is corrupt. He also said that Trump's claims that he would end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours will bring happiness. Five former Memphis police officers were charged with federal civil rights violations in the beating death of Tyree Nichols. PBS produced a segment about children who need inpatient care for mental illness and the challenges their parents face finding appropriate facilities for minors. The Red Cross is appealing for help as 6,800 migrants landed on a tiny Italian island. The boat set out from Tunisia, a northern African country that is embroiled in an economic collapse and political turmoil. The Ken doll topped the list of toys that might make the cut into the National Toy Hall of Fame for the year 2023. 
Other possible inductees are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Cabbage Patch Dolls, and Nerf Toys. As part of its America at a Crossroads series, PBS featured Sarah Longwell, a political strategist and publisher of The Bulwark, interviewing a focus group of Democratic voters in Pennsylvania. The network has featured a similar focus group of Republican voters also interviewed by Longwell in a past episode. NASA wants to join the search for UFOs. The agency has found no evidence of extraterrestrial life, but wants to remove the stigma around unidentified anomalous phenomena, or UAPs. More Americans have returned to work in offices and back to commuting. The numbers of workers working remotely is still higher from pre-pandemic levels, but has decreased. Rat populations are on the rise in several urban areas. Part of the problem stems from changes of human behavior during the pandemic. Last week marked the 60th anniversary of the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. 22 people were injured and four young girls were killed as they prepared for their weekly Sunday service. Between 1977 and 2002, four members of the KKK were tried and convicted for the role in the bombing. The Biden administration announced new U.S. sanctions on Iran on the one-year anniversary of the death of 22-year-old Mashima Amini, who died while being held by the country's morality police. She was arrested for not wearing a proper hijab. Amini's death sparked a series of anti-government protests that spread throughout the country. The government responded by aggressively cracking down on the protests, including executing some of the protesters. Elizabeth Terskoff, a Russian-Israeli citizen with family in the U.S., has been missing in Iraq for six months. She was conducting research for her Ph.D. at Princeton when it's believed she was kidnapped by Iraqi militia. PBS spoke to her sister about the effort to bring her home. The Chinese defense minister has disappeared. He was last seen in public on August 29, 2023. Reports last week suggest he's under investigation for corruption and set to be removed, but the Chinese government said he is suffering from a health condition. Colombian painter and sculptor Fernando Botero had died at the age of 91. He was known for depicting people in plumped, exaggerated forms. His work is featured all over the world, including the Times Warner Center in New York City. The United States military has announced it will conduct interviews with service members in a new investigation into the events that led up to the bombing at the Kabul airport during the American withdrawal from Afghanistan. You'd think Fox News would report on that, but they did not. PBS produced a segment about the alarmingly high rate of mortality in Louisiana prisons, jails, and juvenile detention centers. The Incarceration Transparency Project at the Loyola University Law School says there's been a 50% increase in deaths from 2019 to 2021. And those are all the stories that PBS covered that Fox did not. Now, moving on to the last section of the newsletter and podcast is by the numbers where I compare the top five topics discussed on Fox News and PBS. So for Fox, we have number one at 15 percent, Biden bashing. That's just general where they just go off on Biden. Nine percent impeachment inquiry. Seven percent prisoner escaped in Pennsylvania. Six percent Hunter Biden and four percent COVID-19. For PBS, we have 11% for impeachment inquiry, flooding in Libya, 6%, uh, author profile, 6%, that's just people wrote books, Ukraine war, 6%, and UAW strike, 5%. I also want to add that the earthquake in Morocco was often combined with stories with flooding in Libya, so that got a little gray, but they, they spent a lot of time on both stories. Um, So the words used on Fox News for the week ending September 17th, 2023, Biden overwhelmingly topped the list at 571, Trump at 194, Hunter 151. And I just want to point out that Hunter was mentioned more than the following. Impeachment at 119, border 115, crime 74, inflation only 39, migrant 29, Obama, why not, 19, prisoner 14, UAW 13, AOC 9, Hillary 9, Fetterman 9, flooding 4, and earthquake twice. And again, that was earthquake was only mentioned twice 
on 18 hours worth of programming. And that was a major catastrophe in Morocco. Um, I also want to add very quickly that I will be in Austin, Texas for the Texas Tribune Festival from Wednesday night until Sunday. So I probably won't be posting a lot on Twitter. I'm not ex exactly sure what I'm going to have for next week, but I'm going to be working the whole time I'm there. I'll do the best I can. I made it through the other seminar that I went to. I don't plan on going any on any other seminars and won't, probably won't be taking a break until the winter holidays. So no worries. Um, and I got to play the bonus clip. This is Newt. Gingrich basically describing Fox News without directly describing Fox News. Look, if, if you are a hardline left winger, uh, you believe in a world that's a fantasy. Now, if you really believe in that world, you can't face any facts because the facts would destroy your belief system. So you make things up uh, and you get used to lying to each other. Yes, that was Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House. Just change left wing to right wing and you have Fox News right there. Right there. Uh, that man, in many ways, was the beginning of the start of this mess. But anyway, thanks for listening. If you'd like to become a sponsor for Decoding Fox News, you can go to my Substack at Decoding Fox News, my Patreon at Decoding Fox News. There's a dollar sign next to my name on Twitter. And my cat's... Odin and Thor would like to send their love. They are the mascots for the pod bleh, for the podcast. I'm really, really tired. Also, if you can't support the project financially, you can share this podcast with friends. Give me a great review on whatever platform you listen to, or you can share the newsletter. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you at the next podcast. 